Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. All right, go ahead and roll for Perception. I got a 13. Hey, that's pretty good. With that, you can tell that there's some fantasy situations going on. You hear some adult language. And with that, you can tell this podcast probably isn't for kids. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from secretive scrying to sociable samurai. And today we're talking about the great old ones. All right, Brian. Great right. old ones. Tell me about the spooky dark things. Um, I will. I will tell you as much as I can about the great old ones. How they are great. very mysterious. How old? <laughs> yeah, okay. How right, ones? We'll get, in, we'll get into it. Okay. Okay, so I've been looking forward to this episode for a while. And I think a lot of a lot of our listeners and viewers have too. I, I've gotten the request quite a few times. Um, and this is a very difficult subject to, to tackle because of the esotericness of the great old ones. Like so, what the fuck is a great old? Exactly. One, right? <laughs> like, I, well, as you know, and as most people should know, I don't know shit about nothing about D and D. So you should just tell me from the, from the ground up, build, okay. the, build it from the ground up. Right. What do we got we'll here? Start from what are we ba- dealing with? We'll start from the basics. Okay. Um, we will actually talk about, we will give examples of great old ones and we will talk about them in detail. But before that, there's going to be some other things we need to talk about. Um, I will yeah, say some this. more stuff, right? Of like, yeah, coming into being, or mm-hmm. is that even how it works? I don't know. Yeah, well, let let me get to it. But, okay. And and the the player's handbook does give examples, and the examples it gives are very bad, in my opinion. They are not true to the Lovecraftian feel of a great old one. Uh, I think they give one of their examples is Thar's Dune, who is a fourth edition evil deity that created the abyss. No, that's just an evil deity. That's not a great old one, at least not in my eyes. And they give a few other examples, but in this episode, we're going to talk about the origin of the concept of the great old one and cosmic horror, and we're going to talk a lot about Lovecraft and um, and integrating that into your game. So 
who was Lovecraft? Lovecraft H.P. Lovecraft was a writer from the 1920s and 30s who wrote what are called we- weird tales, mm-hmm. uh, horror stories, if you were, that, yeah. like, uh, that really explored like the unknown. And he basically is the inventor of a type of horror called cosmic horror. Um, so cosmic horror revolves... Okay, so in everyday normal life, there are a myriad of religions and philosophies and worldviews of like the universe, right? Yeah. And you would probably say that most of them are are along the lines of like the universe is either a neutral thing or maybe it's benevolent, maybe there's a god and this and that. Like that's yeah, but the it's normal human encompassing outlook. everything that is right. within the scope of like human perception exactly. and beyond. Exactly. So cosmic horror takes a, a, an approach on this that's different. What if the universe was neither benevolent nor neutral? What if the universe was actively a malevolent force and that our reality of logic and physics wasn't the rule, but a bizarre exception to like the madness that exists uh, all around us? Like we're an island in a sea of uh, bad stuff. Exactly. We're an island in a sea of real bad stuff. Um, It is is all about the fear of the unknown, the unfamiliar and the alien. And with Lovecraft's work specifically, it's about like the the crushing despair of like one's infinite insignificance in a universe that inevitably wants to twist and destroy everything. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of these characters in these stories like in the metaphor I'm using, like they make it to the edge of the shore on our little island. Exactly. And they look beyond and they're just like fucking toast. After exactly. That. That's yeah. exactly right. Uh, the protagonists of Lovecraft's work uh, are less heroes or protagonists and more victims. Yeah. Of their they're, own just, story. they're just like, this happened to this fool. Yeah. Ha-ha. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and don't let it happen to you. Yeah. That's cautionary like, tale. Exactly. Um, this is interesting. So. Because they're, they're like a lot of the things that happen to Lovecraft characters are like happenstance. I it's feel exactly like. exactly right. They just stumble or, into these or like things. the mad. Otherwise, it's like a mad scientist kind of feel. Yeah. There, there is this drive to explore what is mysterious and as they learn more and more things just get drastically more yeah they just spiral out of control very like they reach a threshold where they're like exploring the unknown and then just things start popping off all all wild exactly so integrating this element of like cosmic horror into your D campaign can be extremely challenging yeah because there's a pandora's box moment where like you open the box and now like all the shit is out yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like everything up to there. You well, know. it's just that cosmic horror is drastically different from the character-driven heroes type tales that D lends itself to. Mm-hmm. You know, we we play DD characters are powerful. They have spells, they have uh incredible combat sword abilities. Fight. Yeah. Yeah. And in Lovecraft's work, like these are just average Joe Joe Schmucks. Yeah. And and they just get wrapped up in stuff far beyond themselves. Yeah, you might have your uh, I don't know if he's got like any uh like slightly above average person, like maybe like a private eye that has like you know intense training and like figuring out what's mm-hmm. going on or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Maybe that's the extent. Right, exactly. That would be like the upper echelon of the extent. Yeah, but like, your upper average human. So, so basically the more Lovecraft you go with your great old ones and your and the kind of themes of how you're using them, the less like D D like D D it feels. Mm. And that's okay. That's there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that's why a lot of people tend to play uh the Call of Cthulhu game instead for their Lovecraft fix. Okay, because it kind um, of uh balances things in, in that style. It definitely does. D is more styled for like a hero's journey. 
Yeah, generally speaking, but you know how I feel. I feel like there's no story you can't tell with D&D. You True. can make it happen. If you're a good DM and you, you got good players, you can make it work. Yeah. And that includes great old ones. But some of the challenges you got to think about are, like, how does this concept of cosmic horror and the great old ones fit into your world? Exactly. And it's pantheon of deities. And like, what else is... I always, I always find myself, like, trying to figure out what my balance is in my campaign, like... Mm-hmm. Are there great old ones? Right. Is that even a thing? Like, exactly. are there vampires? Right. Are there dragons? Right, right, right. Are there giants? Like, how am I getting all? Like, what am I using from player's handbook, and what am I bringing in from not player's handbook, and right. how am I balancing it all? Yeah, hey, yeah, you're right. That is something you have to think about with all things. I think with great old ones, it's even more. You got to be more careful about it because, like, right. how powerful are the great old ones? Where are they now? Exactly. How do the gods measure up to the great old ones? And because what's their interest in the material plane or whatever any, it is. Yeah. yeah. And like, how do the gods feel about the great old ones existing? And are the great old ones known to the people the same way the gods are? Are they like unknown entities? Mm-hmm. And that's a very that that question is very important because with Lovecraft and his his approach to cosmic horror, uh, the, the myths of these great old ones are shrouded in mystery and uncertainty. And the more that is reasonably reasonably explained about them, the less scary it is. True. So yeah, that, that, the root of like the unknown is what really drives a Lovecraft story. Exactly. And so with the great old ones, generally speaking, the less it's known, the better. And the more details you do give, they should actually raise more questions. They should be confusing. They, like, exactly. what is, what's going on? What's yeah. it doing now? And and so one of your problems with doing this, number one, that's actually difficult to do, like from a storytelling standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's why I'm so impressed with Lovecraft, because the things that I'm good at when it comes to storytelling are not the same things Lovecraft does in, incredibly. And the things that he does, I'm not very good at. Um, so it's challenging that way. But it's also like it's challenging because this type of storytelling leads to a strange kind of dissatisfaction because like nothing gets answered right There's no resolution exactly like, and it, i think that goes to the same for the writer as well because if you're writing from a standpoint of like this is the consequence of mm-hmm. something i don't understand either exactly and it's yeah. just like wow that'd be i don't fucking know yeah i and can it, try to figure it out in my head but there's no way i can f- get a definitive answer and neither can the player right and it's so very undnd like mm. um, which is not a bad thing i think it's actually a really good thing and a cool thing but it's something you should be prepared for um, when considering how you do your great old ones, because you might want to change it so drastically that it doesn't really resemble cosmic horror, and that's okay too. So let's get into it. When, okay. When it comes to the great old ones. Okay. What the fuck is a great old one? You might ask. Yeah, and, and Lovecraft <laughs> doesn't do a great job of like letting <laughs> you know either, it? because no. that's the, the whole thing is like me explaining <laughs> less plays on your fear of the unknown. And if I explain it all, you're not going to be scared. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Or right. you are going to be scared and like, but not in the same way. Like the fear of the unknown is what really drives it definitely, this concept. Definitely does. I'm going to take a, a, a paraphrase line from the PHP because I think it's good mm-hmm. um, on Great Old Ones. Um, great Old One is a mysterious entity whose nature is utterly foreign to the fabric of reality. Its origin is unknown, its motives are incomprehensible and its knowledge is unfathomable. Right, okay. So that really doesn't tell you anything, but mm. it tells you everything you really do need to know. Like, yeah, they're yeah. unknowable and they're meant to be, right? Yeah. But we can get more into it. They're often depicted as they're traditionally depicted as interdimensional beings that reside somewhere outside of reality or between spaces of reality. Time and space don't apply to these beings. Right. Um, Or at least not in the same sense that they apply within the material bubble that like a human or whatever would live in. Right. Exactly. Uh, They, 
they aren't they are neither good nor evil there's something beyond that like good and evil doesn't exist to them although you could definitely label them as malignant because generally speaking they would consume the universe if they could and generally the reason that these great old ones don't is because something's stopping them they're either asleep in some like deep slumber or they're locked outside of reality for some unknown reason and it's only a matter of time, but inevitably that time will pass. And once they show up, nothing will be able to stop them. I always think of it like uh, meteors or like asteroids out in space. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, they, they're out there and there's lots of them. They pass by Earth and other planets all the time. But there's so much that's never going to hit the Earth. But eventually something will. It's true. That's very It'll true. It'll come by and like happen upon it. Right. This place or whatever. It, it will happen. It's And that's a, that's a theme in Lovecraft's work. It's not a matter of if it will happen. It's, it's when. when it will happen eventually. Um, you know, sometimes the great old ones are given like a physical depiction. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they are beyond physical depictions. It really depends. There are kind of two levels of great old ones in Lovecraft's work. And I think both levels of great old one work for what you want and like let's first say a warlock patron in um in D, &D. Mm -hmm. um in lovecraft's work they're called uh the first level is just called great old one and then the level that's much much higher above that are called the outer gods okay um and the out the the great old one level like cthulhu himself mm. like he actually has like a physical avatar Right, he's, he that is, tentacle face thing the, the, that you the, see in all yeah, the art. Yeah, the, the squid with the dragon wings and the bloated body. But really, yeah. it's supposed to be un indescribable. Yeah, it's supposed to be indescribable. But, but how do you sell stuff without good art? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's, that's very true. Um, it, well, with Cthulhu, it's and we'll, we'll talk about Cthulhu a lot in this episode. But he's he he both is that description he he does have that he's part of this reality mm. but he's partially not he's partially beyond that and there's parts of him that are unseen and unknowable yeah like so um, he's, a, he's he's have your cake and he's eat like it extra too a dimensional bit. in a way he's where extra like dimensional you yeah. can perceive like the toes in the water uh in this Pretty reality much. there is uh a an amazing write up i saw years ago on reddit um that wrote a um a first-person point of view in a Lovecraft-style type of uh, prose of describing or explaining the great old ones to to someone who's who has no idea what they are. Okay. And the, the person did an amazing job. Unfortunately, they deleted the Reddit account, so I'm not able to credit them. But I did uh, print out the write-up because I just thought it was so impressive um, that I think it should be shared. So I have it here. I actually wanted to read it because I think it's a really good... It gives you a really good idea for exactly how unfathomable a great old one is. So okay. Let me, let me pull this up here because I have a physical paper. <clears throat> I'm going to do my best because it's actually a little long. So, Well, I must say that is a very physical paper you it's have. Very, it's, it's quite physical, isn't it? It's, <laughs> a, it's not extra dimensional at all. Oh, okay. So it's, it's written in the first person. Big ugly squid. I wish I was still that innocent, still unaware of what they really are. Once you know, once you really understand, or if you are among those damned to witness it yourself, once you know, you will never forget. It keeps me up at night. If not for my physician's pity, I would never sleep at all. Squids. It's charming, frankly. The old gods with bloated and frowning faces, writhing with tentacles like the beard of Neptune, like a god of Egypt with a man's body and an animal's head, a curiosity and little more. The truth? Well, I cannot tell you the truth, not properly, as a man of science should. These things are beyond our science. Still, I understand things about them that explain some of the reports. 
and perhaps you can carry on my research now that I can no longer pursue it. It comes down to dimensions. We possess three. Height, width, and depth. Grip a billiard ball, feel your fingers wrap around it, and you will understand. Now imagine a creature that existed in only two of those three dimensions, in a universe that described a simple plane through our own. To that creature, the billiard ball would appear to be a simple circle, growing and shrinking as it passes through the plane of the creature's universe. Imagine how our hand would look. Strange fleshy circles filled with pulsing fluids, shards of bone, glistening meat. The creature could never understand what it was really seeing, as it could no more conceive of a hand than it could imagine a creature like us, moving freely in three dimensions and gripping billiard balls on a whim. The abominations, as you aptly describe them, are to us as we are to that benighted creature. They exist in dimensions beyond our own, whose nature we can hardly guess. When they appear to us, we see only fragments of their bodies, long stretches of writhing flesh glistening with juices that should not exist outside of a body, that whip through the air and vanish back where they came from in a way that our minds simply refuse to accept. Witnesses have tried to describe these great tentacles, words failing them in the presence of such incomprehensibility. Those who heard the story seized on this and explained them as resembling cephalopods, this is a comforting lie, as there is nothing in the most stygian depths of the darkest sea that is not our beloved brother compared to the horrors of the abominations. This is a creature whose incomprehensibility... Oh no, this is a creature who is incomprehensibly alien, and our only glimpse is a sickening flash of writhing elongated flesh that slips into our world and back out. Worse than the appearance of the creature, though, is its disappearance. Your mind knows on some level that this creature, this hateful hungry god of a creature, is not moving its body between here and away, but between being a glimpse of writhing horror and being a horror that watches unseen. Imagine our two-dimensional creature again, and imagine yourself to be a cruel child. If you chose to torment the creature, it would be powerless to resist. It cannot perceive you unless you choose to intersect its plane. You can watch its every move and it cannot hope to escape your gaze. It would be the simplest thing to push a pin through it like a butterfly on a card. Take a glass of water and push it into the creature's plane, and it will find itself trapped, drowning, in an inescapable sea. The creature is entirely at your mercy and always will be. Same as you, same as me. That was a hot read, Will. But <laughs> I, gotta, you, I gotta say, it made me very tired. Well, let's take a short rest. Let's do it. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. 
Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the show where we stop talking about the last thing we were talking about. Now we're going to talk about, uh, instead of great old ones, a young great us. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. And let's talk about our young great audience. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show, making it to this part of the show, and for being a part of the Dungeon Cast journey. Really appreciate you. Hell yeah. Tell them, Will. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> so a uh, couple points of interest. Um, the most important point of interest. The most important points of interest thank are you. right now a big thank you to uh, two new Patreon people that we got coming in, coming hot down the chute. Ooh. First one is Dustin. Thank you. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Dustin. It just says Dustin. Um, it doesn't yeah. tell me a lot about you. He but only needs one name. Yeah. He's that's Dustin. really all you need. <laughs> and uh, to you... Lauren Baker. Lauren's Baker. Baker. That's uh, Lauren's Baker. Yes. It's two Ks. It's two Ks. It's two Ks. Okay. Well, thank you, Lauren. Yeah. Thank you very much, Lauren's and (laughs) Dustin. You guys are awesome. We really appreciate you. If you guys want to find our Patreon, there's some cool bonus content on there. Um, These are both. uh, Well, there's some cool bonus content on there. You can get uh, access to our show notes. You can get. Vault Raiders is a live or uh, an actual play. What is it? It's a live play. It's a, a live, live play, play series where that. basically you guys are an adventurers guild and you go off on crazy wacky adventures. And they they it's really good. <laughs> we're uh, we're gonna record one uh, a new one to drop very soon, so yeah. that'll be added to the yeah, we're to actually, that tier. Uh, recording that this week. We do a seasonal thing. Uh, yeah, it's holiday another, adventures. Yeah, holiday adventures. Um, I think our next one's gonna be springtime, good time, mm-hmm. um, and then. Uh, beyond that, you can get like a shirt, you can get a hat, you, you can get like stuff basically. Um, but we really appreciate you guys uh, pitching in every month for us. It helps us pay our um, our we, hosting fees and like things like that. And yeah, like helps the equipment upgrades. Uh, it helps us pay for uh, energy drinks. So we sound uppity <laughs> and nice for everybody. Um, snacks. Thank you guys very much. Uh, we've been upgrading some equipment. We got a new soundboard um, soon. Woo. Soon. I think we're going to get new mics. Eventually, we're going to get new cameras um for youtube so every penny counts and we really appreciate every uh every cent you guys put towards us we want to make a better quality uh show so thank you guys very much for helping us make that happen really can't thank you enough so thank you 
Let's tell them where they can find us, Will. Do it. Uh, if you can find us on SoundCloud.com slash DungeonCast or anywhere podcasts can be found. If you can leave us an iTunes review, that would be really awesome. Helps the show. But what helps the show even more is if you tell a friend to come listen to it. Because <laughs> more people listening to the show is a good time. We think it's a good time. Yeah. I think it's other the best pe- time. Yeah. Talk to your, it's something to talk to your friends about, right? Uh, the best time there is. So uh, other than that, you know, find us on YouTube. Um, yeah. If you want to see our faces. That's where you can do that. You can do that there. Uh, it's the same show, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and uh, um, the Patreon, you can find it at patreon.com slash the dungeon cast. You can email us at the dungeon cast at gmail.com for questions or suggestions or anything. Or just hit us up in the comments below. Hit that like and subscribe. That helps us a lot. Um, and basically, everything that you guys are doing out there already really helps us. And we can't say thank you enough. But um, maybe it's time we went back to the show. Let's get back to the Let's show. Let's get back to the show. And we're back. Hey, welcome back. We're here and we love it. So uh, I believe before the short rest, I read a beautiful work of prose that I wish I could take credit for, but I cannot. And your beliefs would be correct. They would actually be facts because you did do that. And I, I have it recorded. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I, I thought that was a really, uh, a really good piece. Um, kind of explain. I think it is. If you've never heard of the great old ones, it's a good explanation to like kind of get you into it. Yeah, it really gives you like... Um, it, it helps you fathom what is truly unfathomable, right? It gives you an idea of exactly why you don't understand that. Something to grab onto. Yeah. Um, so if if you don't have any more comments and concerns about that, I'm ready to move on to specifics. I just like the way that um, they were explaining the dimensions in the read where right. like things appear and like slip into the to the the perceivable areas for like a right. person and then like disappear again because it doesn't like truly belong or you can't like truly grasp right. what it is. And, and then the thing is it's not that it's gone. You just, you just can't, can't perceive it. Anymore. Right. It's very um, much there. Yeah. Very much more than you can comprehend. That's why that's the whole idea. So that, yeah, that was exactly. A good, I thought that was a good thing to read. Okay, so we're going to talk about a couple specific great old ones to give like examples of the types of things that you can invent. And here's the thing: like you're going to have to either do one of two things: you're going to have to invent your own, mm-hmm. or you're going to have to um, take from Lovecraft. And don't feel guilty about taking from Lovecraft because everything Lovecraft is in the public domain. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's get into it. We're, is that true for Edgar Allan Poe? Probably, but I'm actually not sure. Probably I think a so. lot of yeah. stuff. I know yeah. that you can. Uh, I know that they're like kind of standing on their each other's shoulders. Like definitely, like Edgar Allan Poe does, like a uh, rooted in the like the supernatural of like the perceived. Mm-hmm. Or, like it's not really taking these like super duper natural concepts, if you will, right. like H.P. Lovecraft. This cosmic horror. Yeah, it's very yeah. much an earthly horror, like the fear of being buried alive and stuff like that. Like, right playing on very real horrors or like supernatural things like ghosts or plagues or like things like that. Right. Where Lovecraft is touching on that kind of sort of feel of decay and ruin, but really taking you beyond into like very extraordinary things where I think as Edgar Allan Poe is talking about like much more average people like your right your, your your town citizen where like it's a I little know more familiar Love, yeah some lovecraft stuff it will touch on like an army general or a ship captain like somebody with some prestige or like an, a scientist or that's adventurer true. that's true yeah yeah okay so so let's talk specifics um in i i said this before but in lovecraft's work there are kind of two levels of these entities you have the great old ones which are like on the cthulhu level 
or Dagon level, and then you have the Outer Gods, which are something far beyond. So let's start with the Great Old One level, because I think this is going to be the most common uh, thing that people use in their world. Okay. Um, spoilers for the book Call of Cthulhu, so if you don't want Call of Cthulhu spoiled, uh, just skip this part and come back later. Maybe it's we'll a short put it read. in the it's below. A, it's notes. a real short read. You can you can listen to it for free on an uh, audiobook on YouTube and a bunch of other places, because again, it's public domain. I highly recommend it. It's a really, really good book. Um, or short story. I yeah, so say. maybe hit pause, go do that, and yeah. then come back. Um, it's going to be a full spoiler for me because I haven't read Call of Cthulhu <laughs> yeah. yet. It's on my list of things to do, but hit me with it, Will. I don't All care. Right, let's go. So so Cthulhu is definitely a lower level, great old one. I would say the Cthulhu is probably on the same power level as a demon prince or a demon lord. Okay. So like Demogorgon, Orcus, all them. He's probably on their level, just inherently different from in them. In D&D speak, it would yeah. be like a challenge rating kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, in the mythos, it's said that Cthulhu and his spawn once ruled the earth in eons past. Uh, but his existence in this reality is reliant on the quote-unquote rightness of the stars, whatever that means. Like the planets aligning <laughs> or et cetera. Yeah. And the reason that he's gone now is because... The stars stopped being right, so he enters. The, he he was sealed by his cultists uh, in in the city of Relay, and uh, is in this eternal slumber until the stars are again right, and his cultists perform the right rituals to wake He's him up. He's like, these stars are just all fucking wrong, <laughs> guys. Can you do the thing? I'm gonna go to bed. <laughs> yeah, wake me up on the right. <laughs> Pretty much, and in in the story, it's like it's an inevitable. It's inevitable that they will become right again and again and again, and it's only a matter of time before the cultists succeed. Um, and whatever generation of cultists they are, yeah, they will succeed eventually. <clears throat> Though he has a physical form, he is not made up of normal matter. He can slip in and out of dimensions at will. In the in the story called of Cthulhu, the protagonist ends up, or it, I think the person the protagonist is talking to tells the story of meeting Cthulhu and this person crashes their ship into it because he can't get away. So he turns the ship around and tries to like ram him. Okay. And when he does, Cthulhu just like disappears poof. and then reappears. Poof, like poof. he's just untouchable. He's nigh, nigh invincible. Um, he's like John Cena. But yeah, basically <laughs> John Cena, can't see Cena is Cthulhu. Um, while sleeping for eons and eons, he is, psionically capable of communicating and manipulating people so he's he's asleep but he's dreaming and through his dreams he can contact mortals and it's why he has cultists still um across great distances it doesn't matter and he can this this explains like maybe a warlock pact something happened maybe oh, a warlock <laughs> reached out because they they discovered some great power and they psionically touched cthulhu and like he made some sort of deal do stuff for me i'll grant you some of my power kenny is that a tentacle is that a, no don't look at that don't look at that don't worry <laughs> yeah, about pretty it much. <laughs> um cthulhu is distinctly less powerful than the next thing that we're going to talk about the outer gods uh in in the in one of uh lovecraft's works i can't remember which work it was yeah lovecraft basically says he is their cousin but he can only spy on them dimly like like as you, in the same way that Cthulhu himself is like part of this reality, but partially not. We can only kind of see him yeah. partially. He can only see these other things in the same way. Like they're that much higher than he is. So the Cthulhu is not able to comprehend the these higher beings. 
Um, Is that what you're saying to me? Basically, like, okay, so Cthulhu's not entirely fathomable, but like you could still grasp the concept. Like, he is partially in this reality. Yeah. Uh, but there's parts of him that we could never understand. Right. It's the same way with him and the and the outer gods. Like, he can partially understand them. He is their cousin, but he can only dimly, like, slightly understand them. They are still far beyond his ability to fathom. Okay, okay. Um. Any questions about Cthulhu or like what it means to have like a warlock pact with him? He's definitely a malignant being. He's definitely evil. He wants to like consume the world. Okay. Uh, so is it, I haven't read the story. So is Cthulhu, you're saying he is Cthulhu gendered in the story or is uh, it like a they? He's gendered in the story, he, but okay. that's just a human construct to him. Okay. So to it. Yeah. 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 All it, right. That, that it is a- far beyond that. Yeah. Okay. Um, And, you know, he, he has spawn like basically his cultists will. You know, probably have like tentacles and stuff. I would definitely do that with the warlock. Like there would definitely be as the warlock pack deep deepens. Like maybe like they start like oh how you get like a familiar gross. yeah like the, or like yeah a, like a little like a little uh, <laughs> mini Cthulhu Cthulhu spawn familiar. yeah that'd be cool. It, it like has a place on your back that it lives. Yeah, I just meant like <laughs> maybe like out of your body to like show up. Yeah, I just meant like maybe the the warlock starts. <laughs> it's just like, Davy Jones's face. Yeah, <laughs> it just uses beard tentacles to crawl all over the place. Exactly. Oh, gross. Um, um, no, but I, I meant more along the lines of the warlock themselves, like their skin starts to like turn a weird mottled green color. Uh, part of they the get ship, a part little of the crew. slimy. Oh, God. Maybe like one of the arms becomes a tentacle eventually. Like <laughs> it doesn't have to. But this is definitely something I would try and integrate because I think it's really cool. You <laughs> Grab know, my strong hand. Uh, I think if you are, are a warlock of uh, any of these great old ones. Uh, insanity should probably be a big part of your character. The mm-hmm. more you begin to fathom th- what is unfathomable, the more your mind breaks. So maybe you hear voices or maybe you see things or maybe you start to be able to see into these dimensions. So people think you're crazy, but you're actually not, which is a pretty Lovecraftian theme. Cause like, mo- <laughs> or are you? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And th- cause that's basically what a lot of Lovecraft stories are is like, is this person crazy or does everyone just think they're crazy? Yeah. Cause there's, there's people that like there's one story that's set from like somebody telling what a tale of what happened at a police station mm-hmm. and he's just like telling the cops about what happened right and it's like the detail of the what case went down. of Dexter Ward is that the it's story? the one where the guy goes down into the grave or whatever oh, or he yeah. goes underground yeah, in the swamp the, area the or something like yeah. that yeah it's a that's the one yeah so okay let's move on to to the outer gods because they're the honestly the more exciting ones cool I'm gonna I picked a very specific one uh, probably the more uh, I guess you could say the word popular one from the Cthulhu mythos. Or most known. Uh, yogg Sothoth. Okay. <laughs> and all, all of uh, the Cthulhu mythos deities have bizarre names that are hard to pronounce. Um, he's an outer god. He's depicted as an immense mass of orbs and tentacles and eyes. Okay. Uh, it is said that he is limitless and omnipotent, being locked outside of space and time by God knows what. Like, he's he's locked outside of space and time, but he, it's it's more than that, like, he sees and knows all to see it or even to learn too much about Yogg-Sothoth leads to madness and despair. Yeah. Um, that's a common thing with the de- Cthulhu yeah. like style deities, Lovecraft deities. Right. It's, it's, it's really unfathomable. So it's the not way really, I kind of, yeah. the way I kind of concept this to make it a little easier for me is I picture stuff in like spheres almost of like a liquid, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then within like, there's like a sphere of the material plane and then mm-hmm. outside of that are like where the deities would be in another sphere. Mm-hmm. And then outside of that would be like the 
this place outside of space time where like the great old ones live quote unquote. Right. Right. And some of them like, uh, like a Cthulhu style thing can permeate those barriers, but they are barriers in some way or another. These creatures are extra dimensional and unfathomable and they find maybe cracks in the armor there. Mm -hmm. They're like, ways to slip in without yeah. being detected or I noticed. I think that's a really good way to go about it and to imagine it. I like that a lot. That's really cool. Um, with Yogg-Sothoth, he is said to be outside of time and space, and like time and space doesn't apply to him, but he's at, it's more than that. He's not merely a thing of a separate space-time. He's actually intertwined with the essence of time and space like reality slash unreality to paraphrase he's not merely a thing of one space time but intertwined with the animating essence of existence's unbounded movement so this that kind of like strikes me as like we're like saying we can't understand these things because they're of another dimension there's like another force applied that is tied in with space time that this thing is a part of yeah this thing is interwoven with the universe right and the thing is, exactly remember, remember what i said like about like the the theme of cosmic horror is that like reality gravity physics like that's a that's freak the accident. abomination right. that's the freak accident that's not the normal the normal is this unfathomable bullshit <laughs> that like threatens to destroy everything that you hold dear this like, fucking like <laughs> like monster vomit yeah exactly this monster vomit that happens to be integrated with the universe's essence bro <laughs> duh <laughs> yeah so anyways yeah um he, okay so yoxathoth can be contacted just about being like locked outside of the universe it can even be partially summoned you see that in some of lovecraft's work where like there are like cultists that are able to form some sort of weird deals with him and like like he impregnated a woman in one of the stories and oh, the no. children were like part yogs to thoth, part human. That's nasty. And like really gross. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, there are stories. I think the one that you're talking about with the with the guy who goes into the grave and like he like radios his boy from up top. Yeah. And like the boy goes to the cops after and is yeah. like, my, my friend, I think he died. I yeah. don't know. Basically, the dude's friend went into the grave of some old sorcerer and the, the, the sorcerer was alive. Basically, he was a lich and like the guy who went down there died because that fool's a lich and yeah like, and it, like summoned some crazy monsters on him or yeah. whatever and that's basically he he done that through yogg and like that's kind of a really good example of a warlock pact you know what i mean like yeah. you, you formed some sort of pact with this unfathomable being and it gave him powers to do god knows what with um and it's i think it's really shown that yogg is like with with cthulhu like the blue orange morality kind of applies but it kind of doesn't like it is definitely a malignant force it wants to consume the earth and rule it like in a very evil way mm-hmm. but yogg it's truly unfathomable what it wants what it what it likes what it is is not understandable good and evil don't apply like it it just so happens that the people that the type of people that reach out to it want to do bad things ah, okay like like the lich or the the dude who got his daughter impregnated by yogg it's not that yogg is inherently evil it's actually incredibly neutral Right. It just, it's also inherently gross as fuck. Yeah. It, <laughs> so. It's like un, not understandable. Like, yeah. It's not understandable. Yeah. A neutral is a good word because like that can mean anything, whatever its intentions are like means of carrying out like, you know, whatever it is, yeah. it, it has its own thing going on. Yeah. Neutral. So, so these are examples of things that you could use for your great old ones. Um, the point of the great old ones is that they're supposed to be grotesque. They're supposed to be unfathomable, ununderstandable. The things they want from their followers aren't supposed to make sense. Um, and 
I think if you really want to go full Lovecraft with it, like there should just be this inherent dread about their agenda being pushed forward. Right. Lending towards like not even an apocalypse, but like the the decay of everything. Yeah, like yeah. this energy and force that they're implementing it like permeates like social constructs and yeah like, you know civilization the unraveling of reality like yes. Asmodeus okay, yeah. shows the unraveling up, is yeah, good Asmodeus shows up on the prime like that's just the apocalypse you might survive that yeah <laughs> like, he's just gonna wipe the board and do his own thing yeah. on where we are but yeah. this this but, other thing is trying to like Azathoth the fucking demonic sultan of like infinity shows up he's gonna unravel reality and destroy the gods like it's a much different and more more horrific thing yeah I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna destroy the island you all float on and like you become the soup again. You become the soup. Which, okay, talking about the soup, because that reminds me of Stephen King. Let's right, talk about... the primordial so soup. you can find uh, Lovecraftian influence throughout all of fiction. Let's talk about, like, stuff that's that's Lovecraftian-inspired. Yeah. I think I have some notes. You might hand me my notes over there. And I, I imagine you probably have some stuff that... Oh, yeah, the like the Stephen King stuff, the Dark Tower, that's, like, full of... Yeah. Like, the Great Old Ones are, like... The things that were before. In the yeah. story. Like, yeah, they, they are, are they are the be- the main antagonists, I think. Yeah, I would say so, because... Well, okay, so the Crimson King... Spoilers. Let's. Oh, yeah. yeah spoilers. A little bit spoilers for Dark Tower. Let's not get too into it. But isn't the Crimson King himself, like, part Great Old One? Yes. He's the son of a Great Old One. He's basically, like, Yogg-Sothoth impregnated a woman... Uh, I think it's actually reverse. In, yeah, in in, in Dark the Tower. in Dark Tower, it's like a like a spider. It, okay, so the the Crimson Queen. Oh God, right? there's <laughs> there, yeah. So there's like a lot of things going on where like great old ones or like results of great old ones like embodied in in the physical world like get into positions of power and have children with pe- powerful people, mm-hmm. and those children become like I think that's how the it's been a while. I should have touched up on it before this. Yeah, but it's the, all good. The Crimson King is essentially like this blend uh-huh. and his, his ambition is to unwrap. Is this like Lovecraftian style? Like I'm going to topple Reality. existence yeah. and we're yeah. going to, we're going to destroy the Island and become the soup again. Yeah. And like, I can reach out into the soup and bring things here, but something is stopping them from coming, coming in. Right. And like, I need to, it's the dark tower and I need to break it so they can. Yeah, so that's that's one place you can draw uh, inspiration for your great old ones. I'm just gonna kind of like quick time go through a few others. Yeah, um, Full Metal Alchemist, the Ooh. entity, the truth. Yes, like that's super different from what we've been talking about, but it's also very great old one esque. Like it has no morality. It is simply the truth. Yeah, like and it I'm is outside the, reality. Like motherfucker, I'm the rules. Exactly. Yeah. So that you could you could do something like that if you're familiar with Full Metal Alchemist. God, I love that show. Um, Ghostbusters, Zool. The thing that shows up uh, at the end. Oh my gosh, you're right. It's a great old one, essentially. <laughs> like it's this That's it, hilarious. good I, evil doesn't exist to it. It's just here to do what it's here to do. Right. Yeah. And it's beyond understanding. Yes. Like I think it even, I, it's been a long time, but doesn't it say something along the lines of like, like I'm with you, man. It's been a while. I didn't form. expect. Like, you can't even begin to fathom what the fuck I am. I didn't expect Ghostbusters yeah. to come up in our D and D podcast. Hellboy has a lot of great old one stuff going on in it. Uh, it kind of mingles it with like the hell stuff too, which isn't too uncommon. I think D and D tends to like to take the abyss and the great old ones in the far realm and kind of intermingle it a lot. Okay. Um, the uh, the movie Event Horizon is a really interesting one. Uh, whether you like that movie or not, uh, I happen to like it, but it's not a very like highly. I don't even know what you're movie. talking about. It's basically spoilers for Event Horizon. 
the concept <laughs> is that they, I know, right? For uh, random they, shit. I know. Sp- <laughs> they, uh, Ghostbusters spoilers. Sorry. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry <laughs> if you hadn't seen that one. Uh, in Event Horizon, the premise is that like they invented faster than light travel, or they at least thought they did. Uh, they tested it out on a ship called the Lewis and Clark. The ship disappeared. The ship came back, and all the crew was gone. And Yay. so the movie is about the expedition to go see what the fuck happened. They were eaten by the and Langoliers. Basically, <laughs> the Langoliers kind of they're great, great old, old one this. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, back to Event Horizon. Basically, the ship had gone into some other dimension and come into contact with like some great old one esque kind of entity, and the ship itself became sentient and great old one esque and un- non understandable. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. But that's another good example of like. Uh, inspiration for your great old ones. And uh, lastly, another Stephen King work, The Mist. Oh, I love that one. All the bizarre things coming out of The Mist would be very great old one-esque. No, well, yeah. Like, um, yes and no. I feel like that that one's kind of like, because the concept is like, that's another that's just a different reality that oh, they opened it? the door it's, into so it's not yeah, necessarily beyond the soup the, the beings from it they are, were like unimaginable horrors exactly. that came through and there's a lot of stuff i could see you opening the door to like the soup and then stuff comes through exactly there are a lot of stephen king stories that well i don't know about a lot but at the end of salem's lot there's a um which is like a, a classic vampire story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um they go back in time to like generations ago where this guy is like he moves to this town or something like that he's in his house and he starts hearing things in his home and he starts like wanting to go to this ghost town and when they get to the ghost town like basically a great old one appears mm-hmm. and it's in the form of like this giant worm mm-hmm. and stephen king likes to use like the big worm with like the tentacle face right. like and the yeah. many eyes and yeah. the teeth and there like it it's sloshy and it's <laughs> yep. making a crazy noise you've never heard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jesus yeah so yeah, uh, basically all of Stephen King's work is work is super influenced by. Lovecraft. I think even vampires are like b- uh, born of a great. I know there's like a head vampire. Oh, you that, mean like, in Stephen is, King's work? Yes, yeah, that is like, like a great old one. Yeah. Is basically what birthed vampires in right. the world. Yeah, Stephen King's stuff is all steeped in very uh, Lovecraft inspired. Edgar Allan Poe, like basically so. that's the holy trinity for horror for me. Yeah, I think so. Poe, Lovecraft. As far King. as writers. I think I think that's that's apt. Okay. I think uh that's all we got for inspiration. So uh yeah, I think we're done with great old ones. We oh, did it. Good. Let's all call right. it a game. Let's call it a game. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.